1: Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best Eleven podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their Best Eleven, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they pick a cult hero from the past to lead the line, or will they go for a young whippersnapper from the modern era? It's totally up to them, because it's their Best Eleven. Our guest today is a comedian who's been on the comedy circuit for over 25 years. As well as gigging, he's been a regular on panel shows such as Mock the Week and Nevermind the Buzzcocks. And more recently, you may have seen him hosting BT Sports, The Football's On. He's also presented numerous sports radio shows and has recently written a book about his own teenage obsession with the jam. Something I have to say
2: that I can can relate to very,
1: very well. Uh, I'm sure uh, we'll come to it shortly. It is, of course, the brilliant Ian Stone. Ian, welcome to Your Best. 11.
3: Welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Nice, nice to be here.
1: <laughs> I, um, We've
3: had a few technical issues. We have indeed. But we made
1: in. it, but we made, and your stay in power was to be commended. Many would have had a hissy fit and left the room, but Ian stayed with it. I was so impressed. It's it, it's I am it. the Mariah carrier of the circuit. <laughs> I've, started, I've
3: started to calm that down a little bit. Yes,
2: you it's
1: old cool. trooper. He you. just wants a basket of puppies, and that's it. That's He's he fine needs. then. That's all he needs. That's yeah. always in his of
3: Puppies
1: <laughs> <laughs> And the room temperature to be okay. Ian, the first question, as always, is: uh, Who do you support, and why?
3: I'm a gooner, uh, and because uh, we're by far the greatest team in the world. Has ever
2: seen. <laughs> good song, good song, nice catchy. Um,
3: yeah, no, I'm a gooner. My dad, my dad took me there, and uh, that was it for me. Red and white shirts, and I just thought, yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan, and uh, and here we are.
2: Here indeed you are, and it, and obviously it's quite the journey that you've been on. But let's go back to you. Little old Ian stone there, with your shorts on and your and your and your grubby knees. In terms of early memories of football, were you a bit of a player
1: yourself? Oh, um, <laughs> not, everything in that answer. Um, <laughs> yeah,
3: well, on. I'm not really the person to ask, am I? But I, I, I don't look out of place in a in a well-run midfield with <laughs> uh, with someone doing a lot of work either side of me. I'm absolutely fine. But yes, I always played. I always played. Um, I still play. I absolutely love it. Of course, I do. Why wouldn't you?
1: That's fantastic.
3: Do you remember the first game you went to Ian? Well, I was thinking about this. I, the first game I would have gone to would have been at Hendon, which is, uh, they used to play in the Eastman league. Uh, they were a good team actually. Yeah, in, I, know, yeah. Claremont yes. road near Brent cross. And, uh, my dad used to take me there fairly regularly when I was four, five, six years old. And, um, that the ground's gone now. The the ground's gone. They built a housing estate, but they've named the streets after the players who oh, used to play for Hendon, which is That's a nice commendable. Touch, I, I mean
2: you, you there's a lot of Bill Shankly and Brian Clough Ways out there, but what was sort of like Steve Puttleswaite Road. Oh yeah. <laughs>
3: there's was John Swannell Way. Brilliant. John Swannell uh, player. And 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 I like that about it. So that was the first games. That that was definitely the first games I would have gone to. That's great. I,
1: I was very similar. to That I was for a lot of people, the gateway is non-league. My father took me there because Cardiff was too dangerous. He yeah. had to take me when I was young, and therefore, you know, when I was seven or eight, he took me to watch Merthyr play, and then I progressed as I got a bit older. And I could, I suppose the idea, I suppose, I could take it was to take me to go and see Cardiff City. So a lot of people are coming up with a very similar. Well, Eating yourself that. in yeah. makes
2: sense, but what about that quantum league though, Stanley? Because of course that's the thing. You probably, as a little kid, think, well, Hendon—that's what it's all about. This is this is football at the highest level, and then and then you. <laughs> go to
3: Highbury well actually what happened was I went to West Ham my dad took oh, me to West Ham one time and I and I do remember this I was sat around you know they used to like have the kids down the front yes. so we could see and uh, and I was sat sort of on the this little bit of dirt track but by the pitch and Bobby Moore ran over to take a throw in and I was sort of I remember being in awe of uh, of of uh of him, and his shorts and his legs and yeah. <laughs> looking up at Bobby Moore and he didn't, there was none of this messing about, give it to the fullback and throw it in. He was the one who picked up the ball. So he took the throw in. And uh, uh, so that West Ham was the first place I went to. But then my dad took me to Arsenal when I was seven years old, around 1970, something like that. And uh, I remember going up the stairs and it was, um it was a winter's day. So the floodlights were on and, uh, and the, uh, just the red and white shirts and that green pitch and that, you know, beautiful Highbury stadium. And I was, I was blown away. That was it hooked.
1: It's the, it's the, it's the right season to go. 1970 I was for an Arsenal say, fun, isn't it? It's you not could feel what's perfect coming. Timing. And yeah. did you have a uh, like a favorite player as a kid, Ian? Well, first, my first real idol was Liam
3: Brady, to be honest with oh, you. I right. mean, I, I mean, obviously you can talk about Charlie George and I remember him scoring in the 1971 cup final, but Liam Brady was the one for me. So I'm, what, 12, 13, and Brady comes along. And I just thought, wow, this guy is just one of the best footballers I've ever seen live, really. I mean, the best footballer I ever saw live up to that point was Johan Cruyff. He turned up for Ajax in the 1972 European Cup. So he won the league in 71, and then we got Ajax in the quarterfinals. And Cruyff brought the ball down in the penalty area. Honestly, 58,000 people went, (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) I mean, it was just because you've never seen a player that good. But but as for an Arsenal player, Liam Brady was the man.
2: Yeah. I've got to say, when when Brady went, he went over to Italy, he had a great career there. He came back at, at what was, you know, it felt like in those days he was like 74, but he was probably early 30s. Yeah. And he came back and did a couple of seasons at West Ham. Yes. And he's still one of the best players I've seen in a West Ham shirt. You've never seen the range of passing that fella had on him. Um, and I, I guess it always strikes me as being, and you, I think people talk about this a lot, a player who felt like he's a bit ahead of his time in oh, in the no nature doubt. of the way he played his football.
3: No doubt. I think it's also the left footed thing as well. That's yeah. true. Elegance yeah. and that. I, yeah. I think when you see a left footed player play with such class and they have so much time on the ball, and I I don't know. I, I always loved him. I got to meet him a couple of years ago, and I was um, I, I don't get that starstruck. But I was genuinely excited to meet him. And then we got drunk. It was great <laughs> oh,
2: Hold on, that's perfect the, that's,
1: the, that's the perfect scenario You have it?
2: won yeah. You have definitely won that little battle there Now listen <laughs> Flip side of the same kind We've got this, It's two things here really But It's all joined up Your matchday's rituals When you were a younger man and, and going to Obviously it would have been Highbury But what your matchday rituals now as well?
3: Match our rituals now. Sit on the sofa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, yeah, like us all, Barry Paul <laughs> used the word "now" there on yeah, my yeah, part. Yeah. Sorry, everyone.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, the truth is, I didn't really have. I've never been that ritualistic about it. Okay. I mean, I, my, me and my dad would go uh, to games, and we get the um, the two ten from Golders Green down to Finsbury Park, and then walk up to Highbury, and we and it was a good time. Me and my dad was the one time we could sort of relate to each other, to be honest with you. Um, And if you've read the book, you'll see some of the reasons why. Um, Because my dad once ran on the pitch at Hendon and offered the referee his glasses in front of (laughs) 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 40,000. And so there was obviously a slight fear that he might do that at Highbury in front of 40,000. But... so I used to go with my dad to the games and um and we talk about you know Brian Talbot's groin or whatever or Willie Young's knee and yeah. um but in terms of get the right scarf or get the right pants or any of that nonsense, I'm you know, I don't I don't do that because I don't live in medieval times. No. <laughs>
2: So not Sorry, so... I know
3: I'm being critical of people who do do that, but the truth is, I've never really been superstitious about it. So halfway through games, I will sit there with my mates and go, "We've won this." I actually
2: feel a little bit uncomfortable. We just yes, see it, just team. seeing it.
1: We were just talking about this um, before we started talking to you about how we just. I, I've got to the point now where even if. Uh, the team that I'm supporting wins the game. I don't want to celebrate too much because I know there's another game coming. It's so right, I can't even enjoy the win anymore, do you oh know? Oh my mean? god. I no, no, no. I've I've never been
3: ritualistic about it particularly. It's just you leave at the same time. I don't normally go to the pub beforehand. We used to go to the pub after uh in the last few seasons before lockdown. And um but it but it wasn't a ritual. It was just sort of what we did. I mm. suppose is what a ritual might be, but it never really occurred to us at the time. So, no, I don't really have any match day rituals, if
1: I'm honest. That's all right. I mean, you just mentioned the book, uh, which I can relate with completely about a teenage obsession with the I'm jam. I'm
2: staring at some eyes <laughs> full of glee here. Um, Trust me, Ian. tell
1: us
3: a little bit about it. Ian, uh, it's about growing up in the 1970s in northwest London, and uh, and my parents didn't get on very well. Um, quite a toxic sort of household, so I. I disappeared into my room to listen to the jam and I went out as much as I could to go and watch Arsenal and travel around the country doing that. Um, So it's really about, it's part social history, part autobiography and part love letter to Paul Weller really.
1: Oh. Yeah. Do you know, we, we had him on the show and um, he, he slept in the first week we were meant to have him so and fun. it was hilarious. We're, we're, wait, we're waiting on air, like hundreds <laughs> of thousands of people listening and obviously I'm a well, like you, I'm a well a <laughs> fanatic and I'm going, he's due any time. Anyway, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't ring in, does he? And then he texts me later to say, oh, I'm really sorry I slept in. And then the following week he came on uh, and apologised, bless him, on air, didn't he? And then obviously he was in in the mood to talk, wasn't he, Mark? And yeah. Mark was like, we, we, he went outside for a cigarette, I think, didn't he? he did. And he was chatting away, and in the background he could do like a police siren going and all the rest. Of it. But he was great, and he was. I was yeah. thinking, I was thinking afterwards. I was thinking, they say you know don't meet the heroes, but I couldn't have. I couldn't speak any more highly of what, what he was. He like. was
2: fantastic, and he t- and funny enough, we, because we got to talk to him about football a bit, yeah. stunning which was even weirder. Yes. And but Steve White, we never got to tell this at the time. Steve White, of course, let famously his drummer for for, for many decades took him to a Charlton versus Chelsea game because Steve White is obviously a massive Charlton fan. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I think you thought Peter Osgood was still playing. (laughs) And this is like five years ago or something.
3: (laughs) Well, it's weird. We did talk about football. I mean, the first time I spoke to him, um, a mutual friend of ours had managed to get a first draft of the book to Paul. And and then I was getting texts from this mutual friend Uh, saying uh, uh, with screenshots from Paul Weller saying, I love your mate's book. I'm going to phone him up. And then he phoned me up. He just phoned me one day and he went, hello Ian, it's Paul Weller. And I wanted to go, I know. <laughs> I recognize I'd recognise your voice anywhere. But yeah. obviously I played it all cool. I went, Oh hey, Paul. Yeah. Like, he rings me all the time. Yeah. And then he and then he said to me, and I'll I'll keep it clean. It's not exactly what he said to me. He goes, I really like your book. I'd forgotten how terrible it was in the 70s, right? Is what he said. <laughs> and I said, Can I use that as a quote on the front cover? And he went, Yeah. And so it's there now, oh, which is absolutely so lovely. Hard. And then we chatted for half an hour about the gigs and about those times. And it, of course, it is surreal. When you meet people, yes, yeah, you know, uh, yes. but he, I, I suppose it was slightly different because he was speaking to me as a fellow artist, if you know what I yeah. mean, you know, he's yeah. read my book and he likes what I've done. And so it wasn't, wasn't me just going, Oh, I think you're great, Paul. You know, yeah. I love the jam. It was, there was a mutual thing going on and it was, um it was lovely. And we had a bite to eat a few months later. It's been, it's been one of the big things about about the book has been meeting Paul and getting to know him a little bit. Um, you know, you never know what might happen. That was a thrill. Oh,
1: that was that's very interesting. I remember yes. somebody sent you a bit of advice. When you do talk to him, don't say at the end, thank you for the music because that's what everybody says to him. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the music, yeah. Paul. Yeah. He, he you it. know,
3: I might have done that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: I might have done that. You know, but I, but I, I meant it. I, yeah. To be honest, it was thanks for all those times, for the fun, yeah. All of it, you know, and it, and also, by the way, to, writing the book has enabled me to re-listen to them and to, to revisit the music, which I hadn't done for a while. And uh, it sounds great still. That's oh, interesting. That's brilliant.
1: I love him as an artist and I love him as a fella. Brilliant. It's great yeah. to hear that as well.
2: Good old Paul Weller. I, I, I listen, I, I'm just going to pick up on a bit because because we have talked about that in context of, of your old ground. And I know, as you say, you're not a rituals man, but I suppose we need to know what your feeling is about the new stadium, which which isn't that new anymore, but no. have you bedded in with it? <laughs>
3: Well, it's where we play our games. It is true. So this is true. That's where I go. But if you're asking me if we could still if we could still get sixty thousand people in a, a Highbury, I'd much rather be there yeah. because, you know. But I I think I'm of a certain age where I remember Highbury and I remember that that particular atmosphere. I know they called it the Library. And I get nah, that, that sometimes.
1: No, Avery was great. I was, it was a I great, there. yeah. It
3: was a great ground, yeah. and it was an atmospheric ground, and and I like those old grounds as opposed to the new stadiums. But Emirates is a beautiful stadium, and uh, we've created some memories there, just not maybe as many as we would hope. But um, yeah, I'm used to it, and it's uh, it's in a nice part of uh, of London. It's okay.
1: It is indeed. It's, and I'll tell indeed. you what, it's
2: an impressive thing to look at. You, yeah. pa- you can pass it on a train when you walk around. It's, it's, it's got some. It's got something yeah. about it. Well, do yeah. you know
1: what they got right, I think? You know, like the stuff like the, the team around the back and the statues yeah. and those kind of They got that right. Do you know what I mean? The right people and sort of well, that kind of thing. I like the,
3: that. the the statue of Thierry Henry is of him celebrating a goal in front of Tottenham fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's always going like, to go down well. well. Well, it's a bit of trolling, isn't it? And yeah. I quite like that, to be honest. And I, it, was, uh, it, it was, it was. They've got some good statues out there. Dennis Bergkamp yeah, catching yeah. the ball on the end of his big toe. Yeah, um, it, it's nice to see.
2: This is the Best Eleven podcast from Talk Sport.
4: You're listening to the Best Eleven podcast
2: from Talksport.
1: Have you got uh, like a favourite uh, piece of memorabilia or memento? I, I never collected him. I mean, I used to collect programmes. I yeah. used yeah. to get. I used to I, used
3: to collect, I had thousands and thousands of programmes. For example, I mean, this is why I know that it's 284 miles from Highbury to St James's Park. Of course you do. When when they used to have the away games coming up, they would tell you the route by car you know, if you wanted to go from Highbury nice. to St. James's park. And, it's, and, and so I, and obviously I read them and reread them uh, anything to not have to engage with my parents. I just sit in my room <laughs> reading, reading football programs. And then I sold them at a program fair. Um, I mean, I had a, a lot of programs and I, I took them all to the fair and I said, uh, uh, he said, I'll give you 40 quid for them," and, and I didn't know. I said, all right then. And he first felt sorry for me. He went, okay, 50. <laughs> <laughs> Top negotiations there, Well I, I'm, done. I'm really... I, I should have said yes again. Then he go. oh, okay, okay, 100. How about that? Yeah, I know, rubbish. But it was... My dad had written the scores on them and what he thought of the referee. Oh, oh brilliant. Oh. So, yeah, I know it is brilliant, but it does devalue
1: them somewhat. I, well, he, if, he, if he did drawn on glasses, perhaps, on the referee, I was that would have been... <laughs> that would have the way to do it, wouldn't it? That's <laughs> right. good at vocals. Yeah. or the various different degrees of <laughs> glasses that
2: would have happened on there as well. Right, now, you've got an embarrassment of riches. But have you got a particular favourite player now?
3: Now, Albukayo oh, Saka is, is the one. I mean, I just think he's he's going to be world-class. He's a right isn't he, that kid? Yeah. He's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. And every time he does something, he does... You know what it is? It's decision making right? And he makes the right decision most of the time. I love watching him. I mean, we've got some good players, but he's the one I like at the moment. And he's a Hayley graduate as well. Yeah. So it's nice to see... It's nice to see the kids from the academy getting a chance, and he's in the first team on merit. I love watching him.
2: Do you think? Do you sense that you are that transitional side? I mean, I know there's been there was a lot of panic when you were going down Just about a month and a half no, ago, yeah, yeah. But do you get the sense that you you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel a bit with what Arteta's trying to do and with the young players coming in?
3: Well, I should say we're recording this about two hours after we've just got beaten by Aston Villa. Um, but... What? We didn't want to say anything. No, fair enough. But I, I remember we lost the Wolves in midweek as well. Could have won that though. I, Even with 10 men, you could have a point. Should have, yeah, actually. Yeah. But you know what? You have these moments. I, I, I am seeing green shoots. And I like the way some of the, t- uh, the team are playing. And, and I see a togetherness. And I hope it works out for Mikel Arteta. I really do. Um But... You know, we'll we'll see what happens over the next couple of years. But I'm reasonably optimistic at the moment.
1: I think that's good to you. I mean, like saying, I, I there's a there's a there's a point where you've got to settle on a manager and go. Let's give him yeah, you know, X amount of right. time. You know, and, and a great club like well, we've Arsenal. Had a few yeah, lately, exactly.
3: And and it hasn't really worked out. No, but no. I'd like to give him a bit of time. And and you know what. We
1: shouldn't forget we won the FA Cup. I know. No, this no, is no, no. the big thing, Ian. It's like so, so many fans of, of other teams go, they've won a trophy already. you know, yeah. At the end of last season, people forget that. They won the FA Cup last season. Do you know year, what?
2: We, I wonder, if there's run. a lot yeah. to do with some, there's some very high-profile fandom goes on with Arsenal, which gives us obviously all a jolly laugh from outside <laughs> looking in. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think it does kind of, perhaps does it warp somewhat people's sense of how Arsenal fans think of the club?
3: Well they're very listen we we're talking about Arsenal fan TV right and now Arsenal fans generally don't watch Arsenal fan TV I know it I know fans of other clubs get a lot of entertainment from it yeah for us less so but uh, yeah there there's a lot of noise around I guess it's the same for most clubs but Arsenal are, are quite a high profile club and they, there is a lot of noise around them and um what you're going to do but I'm um, I've watched them long enough. I remember 1975 when we almost went down. Mm. So, you know, I have a bit more perspective
1: on this than some of the younger ones. It's a good way of looking at it. So, uh, talking of 1975, I can imagine uh, there's been some fantastic Arsenal. Such a famous kit as well. Have you got a favorite a specifically favorite kit Ian?
3: Yeah, well the the kit is the yellow and blue away kit that we wore in the cup final in 71. No, oh, yeah. I just love I love the um I don't know the simplicity of it. All it's got is the badge on it, right? And it's a yellow kit, and I, I like that sort of uh, material as well. I, of course, if you get if it starts raining, it weighs about half a ton. Like <laughs> True.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, but, it's, but it was Wembley. It was FA Cup days, which means it was 110 degrees, so it didn't matter, it did
3: it? It was well, yes, quite. Um, But I like I like that yellow and blue kit. For me, that should be our away kit. I don't I don't like. I mean, today against Villa, they played in blue. I don't I don't like him playing in blue. I can't sing come on you blues with any
1: uh, enthusiasm. Any gusto, honest, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I thought. what's interesting about that the kit, we've and we've mentioned it before and stuff, and you've mentioned uh, Charlie George earlier on, but it's one of the most iconic images of when he's sort of almost like Christ-like, he lands yeah. on the floor, he's yeah. won the double, which was so difficult to win then the double, that's the point. And um he just sort of lays it. It's such an iconic image in that kit, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen, Charlie George, I was a bit young. To, to sort of hero worship Charlie George, particularly. I mean, I found out later he went to Holloway Boys School, which is, if you read the book, you will see that they used to come down to our school and make do all sorts of nastiness outside. The oh, school. really? Because yeah, we we I went to the Jewish Free School in Camden, just up the road from Holloway Boys. But I'm sure Charlie wasn't part of all that. Sure <laughs> that he, he was at training every day, and I do remember he was he was with a woman called Susan Farge. I used to read all those fan magazines, shoot and what have you, and I remember there was a, a piece about Charlie and his girlfriend. Um, but I just... that, Like you say, that is an iconic shot of him yeah. lying there with his arms out, having scored the winning goal and won the double for us. And, um, yeah, I, I just... That kit has a special place. It I, is, I would, I, I would actually buy that as a replica kit. So yeah, it's good It's not shop. really something I'd yeah. go in for, but
1: I, I bet like that, that one. I bet that top's worth a few bob. Charlie George's top from that oh, game. I can you imagine that what would that would be? It's just funny, I, you know. I so right what you're saying. I can remember sort of reading an article, funnily enough, about Bobby Moore and Tina when I was a kid, and every so often yeah. in like a magazine like shoot or, or <laughs> on annual, well, it would do a feature on players' wives. Even then, wouldn't it? Do you remember? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I
2: mean, well, Tina, was that joke. She lived in Chigwell. They lived in Chigwal, My aunt, my aunt Eileen, the posh aunt. <laughs> Used to go to the same laundrette
1: as no Moore. Same laundrette. He's always it's got made. an antipodean on. Can I just
3: say, I just love the idea of a posh aunt going yeah. to a laundrette. By the way, that's just beautiful. Hey, an aunt.
2: It's, an aunt. It
1: it all done, an auntie. An aunt. The you level can, of posh we're talking well, about.
2: Here. Well, our well, other sisters, including my mother, would call it a laundrette. So that <laughs> <laughs> they probably explains why. I don't know if this. I, I'm interested on this one because you haven't really given us a clue. But is there another team that you've got a soft spot for?
3: I mean, I actually made a radio program uh, a few years ago about Wolverhampton Wanderers um, um, uh, called Football's Loyal Fans. And I traveled with the Wolves fans on a coach up to Carlisle on a Tuesday night for a a League One game. This is a few years ago. And we had a great time. And I interviewed some of them in the sort of in the bar below the, the stand before we went up. I says this one guy, you know, Wolves are League One it's against a nothing game against Carlisle. I says what? I said, why are you here? And he goes, honestly, mate, I've got no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've always,
3: I've always, I've always had a soft spot for Wolves. Genuinely, um obviously, I put that aside when uh, when they played us. But yeah, I, I quite like. I don't know. I suppose you'd say it's a proper club. I'm yeah, not quite sure. Yeah. But I, I, I genuinely feel that about Wolves. I'm glad. They're in the Premier League. I wish they play slightly more exciting football, but I've got a soft spot for
1: them. I do. That's a great shout, actually. There, there are certain clubs that kind of carry a certain resonance. The name wolves. And when I was a kid, my own man used to say they were the first team in Europe. I think they played Honved, right? didn't they? In in, in friendlies and yes. stuff like that. So they do carry that about them. But I love the fact, it's so true. Isn't Carlisle away in midweek such a badge of honour? Yeah. It's, it's 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 something you go all it's your life going. Way. I've been to Carlisle away. You know what I mean? it doesn't matter what club you support, if you've been to Carlisle away on a Tuesday oh. night, well, that takes If, if doing... you're a Plymouth fan, Hartley Paul or Carlisle. Yeah but those journeys, I mean it was still
3: it took a six Six hours yeah, on the
2: coach, exactly, He's bold. and
3: you know it's hard, and there's no booze on the coach as well. You think, no. my god, <laughs> you so. If you do that, I think you
1: are a proper fan. I agree. You can't even numb the pain, can you? With no, me? exactly. <laughs> with booze.
2: No, that's what I, the annual general meeting of those who have done it. They, you know, yes. It's like, it's, it's like what, you know, do you get your ta- get your tattoo out yes. that you got done for the. And trip I think and I think this is
1: brilliant. Ian's touch. As football fans, when you're with your mates talking, people always talk nostalgically more about defeats or long journeys or breaking down on a court. It's never the sort of the sunny no. day when you've won. It's always the misery you reminisce Winter about. Winter slag. We, I went to a place called Winter Slag away. In no Belgium.
3: way did you winter slag honestly it's it's i think it's actually in genk or Ghent, one of them and it's, it's right on the edge of belgium i don't know what do i know Belgian towns. but um anyway it winter was 14 slag. hours winter slag it was 14 hours uh, on the coach we lost 2-1 and went oh. out of the uefa cup in the third round and then we had to get the coach back oh, but did. that does give me a certain qualification yes. as you're saying. Oh, telling you know, me. Yes. That's proper, proper fan. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I mean, basically, all I want now is a Winter Slag T-shirt.
1: <laughs> I was in Winter Slag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my mate, my mate
3: bought me the programme. He bought me the
1: programme uh, as a souvenir. Superb. It's quite nice.
2: Absolutely my my mate went to Winter Slag and all I got was, was this lousy really T-shirt. t-shirt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Right, then here's the question, the $64,000 question. Ian Stone, what is your best Arsenal 11?
3: Well, it's funny this because it wasn't very difficult to be honest with you, I, I thought it would be harder than this. Um, I mean, the goalkeeper was either David Seaman or Pat Jennings. Yes, but I've gone for Pat. I've gone for Pat Jennings Ooh, okay. just because I I stood behind Pat Jennings on the north bank many, many times, and there was loads of one-on-ones, and he saved every one of them. Wow! And uh, I just thought he was fabulous, and uh, so I've gone for Pat Jennings. But I could have had Dave Seaman, of yeah. course. defence is Lee Dixon Tony Adams Martin Keown and Ashley Cole
1: Um,
3: why who by the way
1: was the Ashley uh, Cole? no 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 Ashley Cole gets Gets in everybody's everybody's team because he was was the best left back in the world he's actually got
2: he's actually got the best 11 in a team that he didn't play for so popular has he been in our best 11s but it's it's the centre back pairing is not always necessarily the you know Adams it's always yeah, but it's then who goes next to him not always
3: Keown no Well, I mean, it could have been Sol Campbell. It could have been Steve Bold, But I just love how my... I love the intensity of Martin Keogh. I genuinely do. I I sat next to him once in a studio and somebody, I think it was Gabby Logan, asked him how he got ready for a game. And he talked about getting himself going for the game and the energy of him, the intensity (laughs) of the man. And I thought, yeah, that's what we used to see on the pitch every week. I loved how he... He just would never leave it alone. And obviously for Ruud van Distelro as well.
1: So. Oh, that, I mean, and those, those epic games against Manchester United, we had Ryan Giggs on, on the show and obviously we, we touched on the really famous goal in the, in the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. But it wasn't so much about the goal that he spoke about. Do you remember? It was about yes. the fact it was that, that Arsenal defence. That's yeah, what he said. He yeah, went, yeah. you know, I didn't just go, I, I scored it against the best defence he, he ever played against. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I thought to well, myself, and I, we spoke to, uh, to Martin about this. And even then, Martin was the old warrior. was going, oh, yeah, you know, we, we should have brought him on. He was still thinking about yeah. how they could have stopped him. Fantastic, those duels yeah. between Manchester United and Arsenal at that time.
3: Well, exactly. And that's why Lee Dixon's in there as well. Yeah. And well, the only reason why, that, that Nigel Winterburn is not in there is because Ashley Cole, as you say. Yes is the best left back I think I've ever well certainly in this country I mean, Maldini's Maldini's pretty good as well. I think right. he is yeah. I think he
1: and uh, Ashley Cole has been in more people's best 11s than any other player yeah, yeah. In Listen, he got
3: taught he got taught to defend by Tony Adams mm-hmm. uh, and told where to go and and you know that game when England played Portugal and I think it was 2006 uh, yeah. in the Euros when he went up against Ronaldo and it was one of the best duels I've ever seen. Yes. And he just about got the better of Ronaldo. Yeah, but Ronaldo was at the top of his game. Yeah. And you just thought, listen, obviously I was gutted when he moved to Chelsea, but he had an amazing career. I ne- I, I was more annoyed with the hierarchy at Arsenal for not giving him the extra five grand, to yeah. be honest with you. Uh, I loved Ashley Cole and I think he's a great player and that's why he's in the defence.
2: Agree, makes words. Are you going for a, a midfield four?
3: No. Um, oh, good I mean, you. I've got to be honest with you, right? I've got a midfield two, which is Patrick Vieira, obviously. And Cesc Fabregas, obviously. It wasn't really that difficult, (laughs) to be honest with you. I could have had Emmanuel Petit.
1: Yeah.
3: But you can't leave Cesc out the team. Uh, And uh, those two together. And they played together for a little while. But I think it was... I think it was difficult for Patrick Vieira to realise he was actually in midfield with someone who was better than him. And he was going to be the one who had to do the donkey work for this young kid. Yeah, And I, fa- I think he found it, it was difficult for his pride and I can't blame him for that. But just to see the two of them together with uh, the mix and match qualities that they have, long-legged one, one who can pass, one who can move forward quicker. I just love those two. So... That, it's got to be them, really.
2: and I, I've always liked Fabregas because he was one of those. He, he's the you know he's that reversed thing. We talk a about, about our footballers going to playing Europe and young men, and you know sort of like finding finding that culture and getting involved. Fàbregas was one of them. He was here as a teenager, wasn't he? He was a schoolboy. Yeah. yeah,
3: Sixteen he was when he came on for us against Port Vale, I think. Wow. And we all knew. We all knew even then. And by the way, Vieira was eighteen when he came on against Sheffield That's a Wednesday good point, right? yeah. Yeah. when we were one-nil down, and he turned the entire game, and we won four-one. And we thought, "What the hell have we got <laughs> yes, here? This is do. unbelievable." I mean, so. Those two, in two, Midfield, two truly
1: world-class players. There, Agreed. I would say so. Certainly. And yeah. the front,
3: the front four ain't bad either. Uh, the front four, although one is slightly out of position, but I don't know what you want to do. Uh, is Liam Brady, yes. Robert Perez, Dennis Bergkamp, and Thierry Henry. Um, just because I can't leave Dennis or Thierry or Perez out of the team, and mm-hmm. I have to have Brady in it as well. So it's sort of picked itself. To be honest, I mean, you, I don't even. You can make an argument for. I don't know. Freddie Lumber was amazing, but I love those. Four. I could have had Rocky Rowcastle in there as well yes. but but Perez, Burkamp, Brady and Henri well that you know there's a bit of uh, creativity it's pretty sensational
1: the only one we would ask everybody is Ian Wright couldn't, couldn't, wouldn't have thought of um, slotting him in there
3: yes but I've got the top goal scorer yeah. as opposed to the second top it does, goal scorer. it does answer that <laughs> and there is that it does and righty if you're listening I'm sorry but even he would understand of course he would understand he's <laughs> yeah, it's it's bigger fan.
2: Henry. a bigger fan as you Grid are isn't player. he in that
3: sense yeah, yeah, yeah you're of right of course Thierry Henri was Listen, Dennis Bergkamp's the best player I've ever seen play for Arsenal, mm. right? The, be- the best player, but is the second best. I mean, he could do everything, everything. And I love watching him and I saw him at his very best. I think, um, yeah, of course, you'd love righty. Can I have right on the bench?
1: Of course you can. Of course you, of course you, can. Can. you
2: can. Of course you can start your bench there, yes. Stoney. Of course yes. you can. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, him and some others. Yes. I really. was <laughs> saying it'd be a pretty strong bench. Yeah, as straight well. Straight away yeah, with exactly. and a few others you're talking about. Um, Here's the question then for Arsenal fans Who's your manager?
3: <laughs> uh, it's got to be Freddie Lundberg. Right? <laughs> Naturally. Um, he couldn't get in the team. Well, it's Arsene, isn't it? I've got to be honest with you, I, I fell out of love with Arsene Wenger a little bit um, the last few seasons. It was, listen, we won the FA Cup a few times and it was great, but there was obviously a period when he probably should have gone maybe a year or two earlier and 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 I just thought he held on. I understand why, but we were making the same mistakes again and again. And I, I felt he should leave. So when he did leave, I was a bit like, yeah, yeah, thanks Alison. Thanks very much. But now as time has gone on and and he he was he was doing the rounds for his book a few months ago. And he was so twinkly, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, He was so sort of, oh, yeah, this is how I remember Arsene when he first turned up and we were winning games. Um, and, and I suddenly thought, oh, yes, what an amazing thing he did. I think he changed English football. I genuinely do. I think he had an enormous effect on the, on our game. And I think all fans should thank him. Uh, to a certain extent, and uh, he created three of the best teams I've ever seen. I'll give you that,
2: and the the only thing that surprised me, and I agree with you there, the only bit that surprised me is we can still talk to a lot of Arsenal fans who refuse to look back past the last two years into those formative years. And uh, they're judging him on the end rather than, you know, 90% of the work he did there.
3: Yeah, okay, fair enough, but then... They only been supporting Arsenal for five years. Yeah, I'm sure they've been they're... supporting them longer than that. If you've been watching them for the last 20 years, we have seen some of the best football I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can't even begin to imagine what I would have thought if Tottenham were playing the football we were playing, right? I'd have loved them and hated them at the same time because that football was glorious. But obviously, it tailed off a bit in the latter years. But, you know, to see Pat Vieira and Emmanuel Petit and Nicholas and Nelka and Thierry and and all these great players, we were blessed, and he did that. So, you know, he's got to be the manager.
1: Well, it's interesting because every Arsenal we've had on Best Eleven has picked Arsene Wenger, yeah. and as exactly as you said, Ian, they've become nostalgic because they've had that little bit of time of going. Time he was, yeah, he was a great yeah. manager, yes. and the book as well was was re- was brilliant. And like I said, he had his twinkle back. Um, can you just let us know how we get your book as well because it's a fantastic book. To be someone, how can people get hold of it? um well it's available
3: well it was available in all good bookshops <laughs> yeah
1: know. <laughs> yeah. still a few copies
3: there <laughs> you can yes it's still online uh and um you can get it yeah it, it's on amazon and it's and you can get it at waterstones and you can get it at independent bookshops as well which i do encourage people to go to and the paperback is coming out in june
0: fantastic um,
3: so I'm quite excited about that. And we'll have a sort of little relaunch and, and tell people about it all over again. But, you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun writing it and thinking about those times again, thinking about traveling around the country, watching Arsenal and putting my life in my hands, yeah, yeah. And going to gigs and going to gigs all over the country, watching the jam and loads of other great music. And, wow. Um, so yeah, hopefully people will enjoy the um the reminiscences. And well,
2: by the time June comes round, perhaps everyone will be doing a bit of that again, which will be great news. Exactly, as well. and yeah, also it
1: couldn't have be nice. a better endorsement, folks, than Paul Weller himself yeah, sure. loves the book. You can't say you can't say better than that. Ian, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we managed to get this sorted this afternoon. You've been a brilliant it's been guest, mate. Thank it's you been very fine. much nice indeed. Nice to
3: speak to you, lads.
1: Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers see you soon, mate. All the best, buddy. The Best Eleven podcast from Talk Sport. Thank you for listening to the Best 11 podcast. Don't forget there are new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best 11 very soon.